0: Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. We're going to start in John chapter 11. Uh, and as you're turning there, I have a few announcements I want to go over. One is uh, we will not have a midweek service this upcoming Wednesday, uh, and the gym will not be open. So if you are a basketball player, uh, the gym will not be open. Uh, we did not rent the facility this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, But we do have a singles devotional this upcoming Friday, uh, June 1st. That's going to be a great time there. Uh, Actually, we have calendars that we have. Hopefully, you got one of the calendars when you came in. Uh, But I'm going to run through a few of these things here uh, on the calendar. Uh, But before I do that, I'll make a camp announcement. Can I do that? I'm sorry. I'll go through the calendar. What do you need? What do you need, Wendy? You tell me what you need. Oh, Lord, I don't know. Jesus, Lord, just help me. Okay, in the month of June, uh, on the 6th, we have a marriage midweek, and our elders, Mary Lou and Larry Craig, will be here to do that for us. That's going to be a great time. And then on the 13th, we're having a chemical recovery midweek. Amen? Amen. And this is a, a midweek to help inform you of what chemical recovery is all about. Uh, Even if you don't need it, you may know somebody else that needs it, or you may know somebody that needs it but don't want to admit they need it. This is for anybody. It's not just, uh, you know, a certain person, anybody, teens, campus, married, singles, anybody can come and be a part of this. It's going to be a great, great time. And then on the 20th, we have Steve Kennard coming in. He's going to be preaching to us as well. And uh, again, this is for anybody. So these midweeks are going to be for anybody, not just specific marriage or single. We want everybody to be able to be a part of what we're going to do here for these midweeks. So as a reminder, though, our special contribution is June 10th. Amen. And also you'll see on there uh, Father's Day. Let's not just ignore Father's Day. I'll have my list waiting for you as well. Uh, but also, I want to make note on the 16th of June. There's a Father-Son Softball Fun Day, so it's going to be a great time. We got to uh, reserve the park. It's going to be fun. Father-Sons being able to play. We're going to have food. It's going to be a great opportunity. Please invite people to come. Uh, now they're going to be playing softball. Now, if your son, if he's older and not in the house, he can come. College teams. Uh, Your kids can come, but let's be realistic. Your four-year-old cannot play softball out there with all those men. So we got to, they can come and enjoy it, but if you're expecting little Billy, uh, sorry, Jamal to get up there with the bat, it's not going to work. So let's just be wise as we participate in that. Uh, Now, on the next other side, July. uh, July 6th, we're having our singles is hosting a dinner party in Harlem and Manhattan singles will be a part of what we're doing, so we're going to start combining things, making the regions uh, combined together. Uh, But we're only going to go to having two midweek services starting in July. There's going to be a men's midweek and a women's midweek. And so, as you notice, uh, they're not going to be back to back. And the reason for that is because the third Wednesday, uh, we're not going to have it because we always have the singles. All City Singles, Saturday thing, and the Latin ministry on Friday. So we don't want the women to have three things in one week. So we're kind of splitting it up so your time can be uh, used more wisely in your activities. Uh, but also, again, remind you about Thrive. That's July 20th through the 22nd. Uh, that's going to be a great time as well. So uh, if you did not get a calendar, there are some at the back door. When you walk out, please make sure you get one so you can know what's going on. Because as soon as I get a text message, are oh, we having midweek? I'm going to say, look at your calendar. Now, I gave a big booklet. You can just slide this in there, take out, put it on top of that, update it, whatever. We all know what's going on, so we don't need to call everybody and say, what's happening? You know what's happening. It's called personal responsibility. Now, one more thing. Our, uh, we have a summer camp for our kids. And so, regular registration ends this upcoming Thursday, May 31st. The last day of May, regular registration ends. So, if you're going to register after that, the price will increase uh, after May 31st. Uh, So, you can go to the website and you can sign up. You don't even have to pay the full price. You can just pay the deposit and get the early registration. So, if you want to register your kids, you can just put down the $50 dollars. And just to make sure you secure an early registration cheaper price for your kids going to camp. Amen? That's a whole lot. I'm done with that part. Yes. Okay, let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to begin our time. I heard you. You said, what about ICMC? All the campus people know ICMC is coming up, Right? See? Now you know. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for uh, just giving us a chance to come and worship you. Father, thank you so much for all the the singing and all the fellowship that's gone on. But now I pray, Father, that we can really hear what you want us to hear from your word right now. God, help us not to worry about what's going to happen later on today or what's happening now in the weather or Father, help us just to focus on what we need to do to draw closer to you. God, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a little history on Memorial Day background. In 1966, the federal government, under the direction of President Lyndon Johnson, declared Waterloo, New York, the official birthplace of Memorial Day. They chose Waterloo because the town had made Memorial Day an annual community-wide event during which businesses closed and residents decorated the graves of soldiers with flowers and flags. Memorial Day was started in honor to, uh, to honor those uh, who've given their lives, but it was something that was focused on here in New York because of the hearts and efforts that the whole community came together to do. So this is something that God has instituted memorials time and time again. And it's just something for us to remember those that we love, remember those that have given so much for us as well. Um, I want to talk about a a different kind of lesson for us today. In this lesson, I'm going to give you questions and answer the questions for us. So it's not going to be the simple preacher one, two, three point lesson. It's going to be more of just kind of help us understand and discuss a few things. So in John chapter 11, I want to start in verse 1. And the first question I want to answer today is, who is Lazarus? Who is Lazarus? In John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees this world's light. It it is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas called him and said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him, O oh, faithful Thomas. The first question is this, who is Lazarus? You know, there is some confusion with this story, because people sometimes confuse this story with the Lazarus spoken of in Luke 16. In Luke 16, that was a parable that Jesus told. And so it was not about this same person, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Two different people, but they had the same name. That's about as much in common as it was given. Jesus just told a parable that used the name Lazarus. Now, there is a little bit in the gospel about Lazarus that we can find out. For example, he was a close friend of Jesus. Another thing, uh, he was the brother of Mary and Martha. And Lazarus also was someone that the the religious leaders intently set out to kill. Now, let me show you that real quick and we'll come back. Look in John chapter 12, verse 9. Because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, so many people started to believe in Jesus. So look at what it says there in verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. So these chief priests, these Pharisees said, you know what? Lazarus is causing people to believe in this God, to believe in this Jesus. So we not only need to kill Jesus, but let's kill Lazarus also. That's a shame. This man had to die twice. Now Lazarus Literally is an abbreviation for Elazar, which means Whom God helps. Incredible, the names that they have kind of coincides with their lives. Uh, if you think about that, that's how, they, that's how God even in his inspiration named people because of what would happen to them through Jesus and through his ministry. Now, if God had to name you, what would your name be today? Based upon your life based upon your faith, based upon your actions. What kind of name would God give you? Would it be the faithful one? Would it be the encourager, the inspiration? I don't know. That's something for you to think about. But God has given us a special gift. And I think we need to tap into what it is. Now, let me say this. Just because Memorial Day and a lot of people went camping, we're not camping in here. It seems like it's kind of getting a little down or something here. We're going to need a little more audience participation because I'm looking out and people are looking at me and I'm going to look at you. So we need to look at each other. Don't put that picture up there either. Now Lazarus lived with Mary and Martha and then there's a couple of reasons why he might have done that. Maybe he was the youngest brother and he was not married yet, so he lived with them. Or maybe he was the oldest and so he took on the head of the household uh, for Mary and Martha. Either way, it doesn't matter. The fact we know is that he lived with them and he was a very valuable part of their lives and their household. So that's a little bit about Lazarus. Now here's the second question for you. Why did Jesus allow Lazarus to die? This is a question we need to answer. Well, why did Jesus... We all know Jesus could have just said a word and Lazarus would not have died. Actually, he could have just thought about it. Like he changed water to wine. He didn't say any great incantation. He just thought about it and it changed the wine. He could have done the same thing for Lazarus. But yet, he allowed him to die. Look at what it says in verse 6. John 11, verse 6. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now it's important to know that Jesus, again, if he had left right then, they could have made it there within two days. So he could have actually gone there and touched them or did anything and healed them. But he chose to stay where he was for two more days. That was his decision. Now, why did he do this? Jesus understood that there was a specific time for everything that he did. Jesus kept himself in the timing of God. Now, the reality of timing is everything. See, the problem is, it wasn't that Jesus didn't show up. Jesus didn't show up in the time that Mary and Martha wanted him to show up. Has that ever happened to you? You wanted God to show up and he didn't show up? When you wanted him to, like he's going to show up, but it wasn't in their timing. And see, timing is everything. But the issue is, when is he getting there for us? You ever hear that song, He's on time? It says, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Oh, on-time God. Yes, he is. Job said, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be right there on time. I'll tell you, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. You can ask the children of Israel, trapped at the Red Sea by that mean old Pharaoh and his army. They had water all around them and Pharaoh on their track. And from out of nowhere, God stepped in and cut a highway just like that. He's on time. God is always on time. The issue is, are we on God's time frame? Because he's on time. Jesus kept his focus on the mission and the plan of God. So Jesus allowed Lazarus to die for two important reasons. One, he wanted to provide a sense of hope in the midst of pain. And in all that pain, he wanted to provide hope. Secondly, Jesus wanted to provide a basis for faith. You know, if Jesus just healed and cured everybody right then, right then, right then, You know what? At some point, people just start taking it for granted. It's as if, let me just throw this random thought out there. You're raising some kids in your house. And they just take it for granted. You're going to buy them what they want. You're going to buy their food, their shoes, their clothes. You're going to buy everything they want. Take me to prime. Take me to school. Take me to the store. I need a new dress. I need some shoes. I need you to clean your room. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to go get that old Black Baptist chair. You know how they do that in the Black Baptist church? Boy, let me tell you. Jesus is never late. He is always on time. But again, our problem is, are we on God's time frame? See, there are times when we question God. When God's plans don't coincide with our plans, we get upset. God's plan sometimes throws off our great ideas. Throw in disarray, we get frustrated. See, the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. See, when this happens, we have to make a choice. When we plan and we pray hard and we even fast for something, and that God does not do it right then and there, we can either get upset, we can get angry, angry at God. We can make a decision, you know what? I'm just not even going to be as committed as I used to be. We can turn away from God. We can get depressed. And instead of praying, I'm just going to sleep it away. I'm just going to eat it away. We can get all these emotions, or we can get on board with God and his plan. See, we have to choose what are we going to do. Because he didn't do what I wanted him to do when I wanted him to do, am I going to get upset? See, a lot of people say, oh, I have faith in the Lord. I got faith in Jesus. Well, true faith is when you're praying and fasting, and the answer is no and you still trust him. That's true faith. See, faith isn't, I prayed about it and God answered it, God is good. Well, when his answer is no, Do you still trust like you did before you start praying. See, that's what faith is all about. And see, so many times we go through life and we are praying, we are fasting, we're making all these great decisions, and then it doesn't happen, then we get stuck. We get stuck at some place in life, whether it's you stuck in your marriage, you could be stuck in your schooling, you could be stuck with your finances, we can be stuck. Now, you got to understand, there's nothing wrong with being stuck, but there's something wrong with staying stuck. That's when it's wrong. And this is what we got to understand. You know, there's a story of a lady who passed who, uh, some heavy lifting, and doing, so she rented this Jeep. And so she took her jeep and they said, this jeep can go anywhere, you can do almost anything with this jeep. So she took the jeep and went down on the beach. And she was down there on the beach and she started going and she got stuck in some soft sand. So she started revving the engine up. And she just got deeper and deeper in the sand. So she got upset. She went back to the garage and she asked for a wrecker to come pull her out. And the man said, ma'am, you don't need a wrecker. Do you have everything you need? She said, no, I need a record right now. This is what i rented. kind of like what we would do. This is what I want. I want it right now. It's supposed to happen. She got all upset and intense. So the man said, here, let me go with you. So he went down with her, walked right up to the Jeep, and he turned one little pulling gear on the Jeep. She started up and came right out the same. Right the, the man said, you know what? She had the power to get out and unstuck the whole time. But she never used it. Listen to me. God created each of us. And within each of us, He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. Too many of us are stuck and we stay stuck instead of taking it to God and taking it to God's people to get help. We stay stuck. I don't have any relationships. You're in the most loving church. You walk in here and you see people of all different nations and colors and creeds. And you say, I don't have no friends. Whose fault is that? We got to quit blaming everybody else. You mean to tell me out of all these jacked up people, you can't find nobody as jacked up as you? Seriously. That's just unbelievable.
1: I don't have any
0: friends. Well, then you got a problem. But see, God has put even in us the grace of God. There are times things happen so we can understand God's grace. And we've got to understand it's all about his timing. His timing is never off. We may think it's off. It's not off. It's to prove something. Sometimes he allows you to go through that so you can see his timing so your faith can be built. Look at verse 4, John 11, verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. The world provides us with a hopeless end. And Jesus provides us with an endless hope. We've got to understand, this is what he's calling us. You have hope in Jesus. Just because the timing isn't your timing doesn't mean you need to give up. Some of y'all have been praying for a man or a woman to marry for years. And it hasn't happened. So someone get upset and go find somebody in the world to get married. And then say, oh, it's all good, I'm coming back to the Lord. Hold up, wait a minute. Let me put some mow in it. That ain't how it's going to work. You need to be patient and wait on your timing. Some people like, my kid, that little devil, mm, mm, mm. when is it going to click with them? I don't know either. It may be when they're grown and have kids and realize how hard it is. And they're going to not just walk back, they're going to run back to the Lord at that point. But here's the issue. Are we waiting for God's timing? Are we trying to make our own timing? What is it like? See, he's telling us these very things. He says, no, this happened to glorify God. Jesus tells the disciples, he allowed Lazarus to die because the result will build their faith. Sometimes God says, I'm going to allow you to go through a hard time. Because when this thing is over with, you're going to be more faithful than you could have ever imagined. there are times when Christ is more glorified through our suffering than through our comfort. We think as long as things are going good, God is glorified. He says, wait a minute, I need to make this situation a little bad. And let me give me, hear me on this. It's not that God personally does it, because only good comes from God. But sometimes God will remove his protection so Satan can do something, so God can again come back and be glorified. God doesn't get us like that. It's Satan is the one that comes after us. What happened with Job? You think about the story of Job. God didn't do any of that stuff to Job. Satan did it all. God allowed it and say, okay, but you better not kill him. So he allowed stuff to happen, but then in the end, who won? God was victorious. So, why did God allow, Jesus allowed Satan, uh, Lazarus to die? So that God could be glorified in the end. Next time you're going through challenges, you got to realize... What is the end goal in them? What is God's end goal in them? The third question is this. When does faith become difficult? When does faith become difficult? You know, Jesus issues a challenge of faith. Look in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection, at least at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, he went back and called, he went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. He was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? When is faith difficult? You know, Jesus challenges Martha's faith here in verse 26. By telling her simply this, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I mean, he called her on it. In the time of sorrow, he said, do you believe? Her response was very simple in verse 27. Yes, Lord. Our faith is challenged in hard times. Her response was, yes, Lord. You notice she didn't start giving a bunch of reasons and excuses. Yes, Lord, but you don't understand. Yes, Lord, but you'll see my knee is hurting. Yes, Lord, but my back has been like this. Yes, Lord, but my sister don't help me. Yes, Lord, it wasn't a bunch of excuses. Do you believe? Yes. And then she came back. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Not only do I believe, but I'm committed to who you are. We gotta understand. So when is faith difficult? Three simple things. Faith becomes hard when faced with hard facts. The facts is this. Jesus did not arrive when they wanted him to. That's a fact. So that challenged their faith. Secondly, faith becomes hard during times of personal pain. If you have been here, Lord, you can just hear in her voice the sadness. Personal pain. That's when your faith is challenged. When you're going through something personal or your kids... Somebody that you love and you really can't do anything about. It's just God. That's when your faith is challenged. And thirdly, faith becomes hard when you're faced with mortality. Lazarus died. That's hard when we're faced with death. But see, we have to look at these situations and realize God has a plan and a timing for each of these. Now Jesus was troubled with what went on. It says his heart, he was deeply troubled and moved. You know, they believe that back in that culture that after the third day, your spirit left your body. So now it had been four days now. So when Jesus gets there to the tomb, uh, look at what happens here in verse 30, 38. John 11, verse 38. Jesus, much more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha the sister of the dead man. By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, Mary and Martha, they were concerned about the tomb because they thought, oh, it's just going to be nasty, repulsive. His body's been in there. It's going to be decayed. See, they were faithful, but then when facts hit them, it kind of made them waver in their faith a little bit. I believe, but then, you know, in reality, it's going to be nasty, it's going to smell. And they were so concerned about all these things. But Jesus, he had no concern with this tomb at all. You know, it's interesting, because even one commentary spoke of it. It says Jesus not only spoke at the tomb of Lazarus, as if Lazarus was alive, but he also spoke at the tomb as if Lazarus was already awake. The power of God is so instantaneous that as soon as he said, Lazarus, this man rolled from the dead and was popped up, ready to go. Quick response to the word of Jesus. He went from dead to up, ready to get out and do the boogie down Bronx dance. Quickly, he responded to Jesus' word. How quick do we respond to Jesus' word? Here's a dead man coming to life. How many of us need to come to life spiritually? It is what it is. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. He didn't say, Lazarus, rise from the dead and now come out. It was all and hit one at one time. Lazarus, come out. And then he came out. He said, now take those clothes off of him. We got a lot to do. Come on. And he was ready to go. Guys, again, this shows us the power of Jesus. I want to close out with this, and we need to learn from Lazarus being raised. Number one, the power of life is always greater than the power of death. Here is Jesus, the author of life, the power of the resurrection within him, surrounded by death. He could have been discouraged, bummed out, but he said, no, this is all to bring glory to God. I think it's important for us to think more about what brings God glory than what brings us glory. Because so often we're caught up in ourselves, and we're not really thinking about what's going to glorify God. Second, Jesus has absolute authority over all things. Jesus has authority over all things. Not only do demons listen to him and quickly respond, but even dead people quickly respond. You know, I was doing a funeral before I moved here, and I was looking all through the Bible, and I'm like, man, I could not find one time Jesus performed the funeral because nobody died around him and if they did, they didn't stay dead long. Jesus brings life, he says, I bring life to the full. He wants that for you. So he doesn't want you to live a sorrowful, discouraged, depressed life. He said, I came to bring life to the full. I even raised dead people to life so they can have excitement. Surely I want you to have excitement. With Jesus, thoroughly, the impossible becomes possible. And then fourthly and finally, we need to understand Jesus is always on time. He is always on time. The issue for us is are we willing to change our time frame? Because Jesus is always on time. Brothers and sisters, I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend, but it's not just about celebrating and picnicking. It's about remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us, and what he wants to do for us in the future, and to God be the glory. Amen.